and uh, now we have a huge flock. But it really was the uh, the imprinting and the sweetness and just the amount of personality that made us really fall in love with them beyond uh, beyond the other poultry on the farm. It's The Coop, where we talk all things poultry in hopes of inspiring crazy chicken keepers and educating future flock owners. I'm your host, Kendra, and on the show today, we're talking to a gosling advocate and author who you may recognize from Instagram, where she showcases restoring her 200-year-old farm, all while raising a flock of 17 geese, in addition to chickens, ducks, pigs, goats, and sheep. Here to share her best advice is Kirsten of Hostel Valley Living. Located in rural Maine, Kirsten has been raising geese and enjoying their quirky personalities and practicality in her sustainable permaculture practices for years. For a poultry type with many misconceptions, how does one become intrigued to raise such a large flock? As a kid, I'd had chickens, and uh, one of my friends actually had geese. Um, she just had a, a pair of geese, and I remember like going over to her house and being incredibly intimidated by them, but also being really impressed that she wasn't intimidated by them. <laughs> and that, I think, sort of... Uh, spark the light bulb of of intrigue for me, if you will. I really wanted to know more about these birds and how she didn't seem afraid of this giant, terrifying bird. So when we decided to get chickens, uh, my husband's son asked if we could also get a couple geese. And I thought that was a great idea because I remembered them from my childhood. And we got a pair of goslings. We brought them home. We knew really nothing about waterfowl beyond, you know, just the basics of care. We didn't realize they were going to imprint and the goslings did imprint on us right away. And that really sparked, (laughs) sparked the love for geese because they were following us around and honking and um, they were really just absolutely delightful. And uh, as they grew up, so we got a pair, we got a pair of Chinese geese actually to start. And I believe I get some of the events mixed up, but I believe one of them was actually taken by an eagle. And (laughs) so we had a single goose for a little while, the fall, they were like a year old. And that goose completely fell in love with my husband (laughs) because she didn't have a goose to be with. And she would just be on our doorstep every morning, you know, at dawn, dawn till dusk, if we weren't outside just honking and looking for attention, which furthered the charm of them. And so we eventually did get her a goose companion and then we got a few more. And uh, now we have a huge flock, but it really was the, uh, the imprinting and the sweetness and just the amount of personality that made us really fall in love with them beyond uh, beyond the other poultry on the farm. Now, they're that way to you, but when you have visitors to the farm, are they, I hate to use the word aggressive, but are they more outlandish, loud? They, they're definitely loud. Um, in terms of aggressive, I think it varies uh, both from breed to breed and even from individual goose and how you raise them. Um, so we definitely have some here that either weren't handled as much by us as goslings, so they're not as strongly imprinted with people, um, or they're just a more aggressive breed that, I mean, I don't have any geese that would like 
like actually bite a stranger or anything, but there are some that are more likely to sort of walk up and be a little pushy. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are some that are more likely to just kind of shy away. They do all definitely make noise if, say, a strange car pulls up. Um, But I think that's a a plus because then you're like alerted to something unusual going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So they kind of serve a a guarding purpose that way. And it's funny, like you said, you were so intrigued by them at your friends. Just poultry in general, when our front yard is loaded, and it's funny how many people will pull in to get eggs but they'll stay in their car and roll the window down or they'll stand with their door open like a barrier between them and the flock and the flock is they they don't care there's a couple um chickens that kind of run up and look for car snacks but everyone else doesn't care but there's still that like fear or they're like oh he's really friendly and i'm like yeah he's friendly like he'll eat out of your hand he doesn't care you're standing there (laughs) yeah no it's definitely like it's a plus because it does make people think twice and it's you know I think that's a good thing especially you know we are in a very very rural spot we're kind of on a, a dead end loop of road so it's very unusual for a car to go by so I like them to alert me when that does happen uh but at the same time when a car does go by uh we frequently have people with cell phones videotaping out the windows <laughs> The the flock of geese that are just kind of standing there. (laughs) That is too funny. Now, for your farm, you really focus on sustainable permaculture. How does your geese or just poultry that you've had in general play a role in that? The geese are definitely um, an important part of that. So as I said, we do have a fairly large flock now of about 17 geese. And one of their purposes is guarding, uh, both as an alarm system in general, if something unusual is going on, but also as a specific guard for the chickens and the ducks, and even the guinea fowl, just the, the smaller birds. And with that many geese, I mean, geese will they're more self-confident, if you will, <laughs> and uh, likely to curious as well. And so they will chase off like small predators, like say rats or weasels, if they're bothering the uh, the chickens. Larger predators, they aren't going to chase off, but with a flock of the size that we have, they're just intimidating. They make the whole area somewhat predator-proof just by their presence. It just seems like there's a lot going on and it's too much to deal with to a passing fox or coyote or some of the other common larger predators that we have around here. Uh, And then we also use our geese for eggs, which they lay from about this time of year, maybe February or early to late February, depending on where you are through May. So it's a short laying season and they lay gigantic eggs. They're equivalent to two to three chicken eggs. Um, And they're great for baking and pasta making, those kinds of things. Although you can also use them just as a fried egg if you want a big fried egg. But we do definitely, we use them for eggs. We sometimes sell the eggs um, and I just use them in my cooking as well. The main way in which I think geese fit in a permaculture way on a farm, which we don't use ours as much for yet. We do a little bit, but as we um, expand with, we're putting in orchards right now and stuff. So as we Mm -hmm. expand that area, we'll be using them more this way is actually as weeders. So if you have enough geese to a small enough amount of land, um, they can be really effective at keeping grass trimmed down to 
kind of like a lawn height. And um, they're particularly good amongst, like you wouldn't want them in a regular vegetable garden because they're definitely vegetables that they would love to eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they're perfect around like small trees or large trees for that matter, berry bushes and particularly like brambly kind of berry bushes because they can snake their heads in and, uh, you know, not get where you wouldn't want to stick your hand in because you might get poked by a thorn or something. So they're very good for weeding. They are strict vegetarians, unlike ducks or chickens. So they have a never ending appetite for greens and that makes them particularly good as weeders. Do they kind of just meander on their own and take care of specific areas or are you planning on fencing them into areas and like rotating them that sort of method or um for the greatest sort of effectiveness i would it's it depends i guess a little bit on the size of your orchard in as the whole thing but for the greatest effectiveness i would fence them and rotate them just because they do meander a lot and it helps to direct them to a focused area so that they complete the job there and then you can rotate them on gotcha now how do you house 17 geese well, we are very fortunate because we do have a large barn, and um, which is one of the things that really attracted us to this this property in general. And it used to be well, sort of an all-purpose barn, but there was an area of it that was for the cattle. And we've transformed that into uh, a giant stall, if you will. So they go in there at night and it's large enough for all of them. And geese don't need, like uh, like chickens, geese don't need a, a roost or anything. They don't even really need nesting boxes if you just sort of have a more private corner with maybe a partition up or something. So they don't need a lot of infrastructure within their coop. So they'll just go in that stall at night And during the winter, it's, you know, well bedded down and cozy. And, you know, during the summer, it keeps them dry and safe from any nighttime predators. Um, And then we let our geese free range during the day. We have the land to do so. If you are at all concerned about neighbors, I do recommend fencing uh, during the day for your geese because they do wander and they're just very curious <laughs> and they will end up uh, end up in your neighbor's yard. So it's a good idea to at least restrict the areas that they're, they're not allowed in. Like I have a fence around my garden mm-hmm. um, just in case. But yeah, and if you have uh, the, the goose coop is just for the geese. They don't share it with the chickens. Uh, They do share it with the ducks, but I'm able to separate the ducks if I need to. Geese are generally, um, you can get geese to imprint with chickens, but generally speaking, like my geese ignore the presence of chickens (laughs) and, um, and don't really care. But during their mating season, they can get a little aggressive towards the chickens or just be fighting amongst themselves. And because they're so big, they can easily hurt a chicken. So I recommend, you know, whatever your setup is, having a place you can separate your geese, at least during mating season. And like I said, it should be fairly simple to set up because they don't have a lot of needs, really just a safe place at night. So even like a, if you only have a, one or two geese, like a uh, doghouse or something will do just fine. Now, do they typically go into their coop at night on their own or do you have to herd them in? I have to encourage them the last few steps. They're always right outside the door. And I think if I was late, they would eventually put themselves to bed. (laughs) Okay, that's very interesting. And so I was just going to ask, when they're out free ranging, you do have other animals. How does that relationship work? Because you do have pigs too, correct? 
Okay. Yes, we have pigs and goats and we just added sheep this past summer. And I have to say that they all just ignore each other. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, the geese really don't seem to care unless one of the other animals comes like running through the flock and then they'll scatter. But otherwise, they don't pay too much attention. (laughs) that's too funny that's how pretty much my flock is we have pigs as well if there's any scrap of food left you better believe the whole flock seems to be right there by the pigs you know picking what they can get their hands on Right. Yeah. Our geese haven't really figured out the pig's food, but if I'm late in filling up the goose's water, then they just stand and stare through the fence at the pig water. (laughs) Like, I know I want that. (laughs) That's funny. So speaking of water, how do you maintain with that many geese? Do you have an open water source, like a pond or a river? We added a pond actually to our farm this year, and that's been a fantastic addition and when it's open the geese are in it all day every day they they love it um and the ducks as well geese aren't as uh enamored with water as ducks so like during the summer when the pond is open the ducks spend the night out there i can't get them out of the pond the geese do come out to eat and like I said, are usually at the coop to go to bed and stuff, but they love swimming. Our pond does freeze over in the winter and we haven't always had it. What geese really need is water that is deep enough to fully submerge their beak in um, so that when they're eating, they can keep the airways on their beak clean. So you can do that with just shallow troughs of water as long as they're refilled. I usually do mine a few times a day, but even once or twice um, is often enough, especially during the summer. During the winter is a little more difficult because it freezes. So I have a few trays of water near their food for drinking water and they will bathe in that as well. But I have a larger livestock trough that I fill up unless it's super cold. I'll fill it up every day and that gives them bathing water when the pond isn't open. Now, I am actually in Michigan, so we get the lake effect snow and cold. You being in Maine are no stranger to snow and cold. How do your geese do in that sort of climate? They are mostly very hardy. There are a few breeds that are less hardy or have particular um, vulnerabilities, like the Chinese and African geese. Those are the ones with the large knob on the top of their beak, and that knob can get frostbite. And then Sebastopols, which have the looser feathers, they are more prone to get a chill. And I've found that the heavier weight birds also will get like ice stuck on their underside. Once, if it's really, really really cold. I sometimes have to clip off, but generally speaking, it's warm enough that they can swim it off. But overall, they're very hardy and like ducks, you know, they don't really feel the cold in their feet or anything. If it's very, very bad weather, I might keep them locked up in the the coop in the barn during the day, but really that's like one or two days a year. And overall, they like going outside really regardless of what it's like out. (laughs) That's nice because it's always a pain with chickens to try to corral, you know, encourage them to come out. Yeah, I can't get my chickens to go out for anything when there's snow on the ground. (laughs) Yes. So for those who are considering geese, I truly hope this podcast episode changes people's mind or at least allows them to entertain the idea of geese because I do think they're overlooked too often. So if someone is looking to dip into geese for the first time, what are the best ways to determine the right breed for them? 
Yeah, breed selection is very important. And as with a lot of animals, the experience that you're going to have is going to be very different depending on what breed you get. Um, So I definitely encourage anyone thinking about geese to really research um, the different breeds and spend some time with, you know, goose books or even just on hatchery websites and reading the descriptions of the breeds. I get a lot of questions from folks who are looking for the friendliest breed of goose (laughs) or the best goose for, you know, a family if you have kids. And my first recommendation for a friendly goose is usually the Sebastopol because they are friendlier. They tend to be shy, if anything. So they're a much friendlier breed of goose, but they're also small. So they're not as intimidating, even if you happen to get an aggressive one, it's not going to be a super intimidating animal. Um, And there are other breeds that are notably friendly, like the Dulap Toulouse. I found buff geese to be very friendly. And I've also found Roman geese to be very friendly. Um, And then there are geese that are the opposite. If you're looking for a guard goose, if a family friendly bird is not the priority for you, then Chinese geese are actually a great bird to look at because that's the one strike against them is that they can be aggressive, but they're very, very active. So that makes them excellent foragers if you're using them for weeding. Mm -hmm. They're some of the best egg layers and they're incredibly alert. So they make excellent guard geese and they're one of the loudest geese. So they are really very good alarm geese, but it depends on your needs. So As I said, I definitely encourage researching the different breeds and also just thinking about your limitations and what you're looking for in a goose, what you'll be using them for um, before you just get any, any breed, pick the right one for you. And we try to emphasize that we've done that in multiple podcast episodes. Our listeners are probably tired of me like mothering them, but I always encourage people to make a list or to sit down and think of what you want before you begin. It's so easy to jump online and quick place an order or go down to your local feed store and pick up a few birds. But if you actually put some time and thought into it, you're going to be so much happier in the end with the breeds that you end up selecting. Definitely. And especially the, the feed store is especially dangerous because you aren't even planning to get <laughs> to get a bird. <laughs> then you come home with some. But yeah, I mean, that was our experience. Really, at first, we picked Chinese geese really very randomly. And it ended up working out well for us, but they weren't right for the setup we were in at that time because we did have close neighbors and they were so loud and they're so active. So they're always foraging around and end up on the neighbor's lawn. And it was okay for us because we were moving shortly thereafter and now we have much more land, but it really does does make all the difference. Or, you know, if you're looking for eggs, you want to make sure you're getting a good egg laying breed. There are some breeds, of course, that make better mothers and are more prone to go going broody. Um, So there's a lot of different aspects to, uh, to be aware of. Absolutely. Now with all of the goose breeds that you currently have, is there any breed that you've never raised? Yes, there's a few actually. I um I have never raised embedins. We had pilgrim geese one year and I think we like gave them to a friend or something and there was no reason uh, there was nothing wrong with pilgrims or anything we didn't like about them. Um we just had someone who was looking for geese and it was a good fit. Mm-hmm. I think that's 
that maybe that's it. Um, I got my first cotton patch goose, which is a very rare breed last spring. And that was one that I'd always wanted to raise that I hadn't. And we like those a lot. They're very hard to find, but they're very uh, sort of laid back and friendly. Uh, But generally speaking, and I think I'm kind of this way with chickens as well. If I'm ordering geese and I have the ability, I try new breeds rather than getting what I already have. So that's given me a lot of experience with with different breeds throughout the years. That's very cool. And we were just talking about this with flock goals in a previous episode of how it starts with chickens and then you'll get different breeds of chickens and then you may raise meat chickens and then you'll dive into ducks or turkeys. Like you just continually expand with breeds and poultry types. So it's funny to hear that you grew too, specifically in geese. It's so true. And there's always one that comes up that you're like, oh, I haven't tried that before. I've got to get that one. (laughs) Exactly. Now, Kirsten is a wealth of knowledge about geese. And so you get a ton of questions through Instagram and I'm sure emails and blog comments about the different breeds and how you raise them. So you've put together a class coming up in February, correct? Yes. So I um, am doing a little series of online classes and goslings and geese is going to be the first one. And I'm hoping to appeal to people who've never had geese before and are curious about them. And we're going to include uh, guides to the different breeds and housing needs, all that good stuff, as well as just basics for goslings and gosling care, what you should have set up uh, for a brood and how to get your geese to imprint. So there'll be just a general primer on geese. And then um, in addition, there'll be some digital documents uh, to go with that, you know, recommending different breeds and breaking things down a little bit more. So you have a a resource going into spring. And hopefully, um, if you take the class, you'll be well prepared for for goslings when they do arrive. That's a wonderful class. And it's hard to find geese content, I feel. There's so much out there about chickens. And typically, there's some stuff when they talk about waterfowl, it's always geared more towards ducks. So if you're looking for information on geese specifically and are seriously interested in investing into them this spring, we are going to include a link to Kirsten's class below in the show notes and it will take you right there. We hope you'll register and participate in that and then feel free to report back to us in our exclusive Facebook group and let us know how she did, what you learned. We would love to keep the conversation going there. Awesome. (laughs) All right. Well, I so appreciate all of your insight and information and thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. 